Matashia handa ya sikiri andaria. Kurandaria harabo haharabo siya handaria. Kurata harabo siya handaya. Kurata harahara hara siya handaria. Shikiri andaria. Kurata siya handaria. Kurandarabora siya handaria. Shikiri andaria harabo siya handaria. Thank you, Jesus. And the Lord does have a word for us. Spiritual hunger, says the Lord. Spiritual hunger is what has driven you to this place. Yes, driven you, says the Lord. Driven you. Driven you, says the Spirit of the Lord. Because I am the one who turns on the hunger and I feed the hunger and I brought you to this place to feed that hunger deep within you. For some of you are asking me as Gideon did, where are the miracles? If we are your people, where are the miracles? If we, if we are your people, where are the good things that you promised us? Where are the blessings? Where are the souls that need to be saved? Where are they? Bring them to me, Lord. Bring them to me. And this hunger that is in your spirit has driven you to this place in the spirit of God. For many people on this earth are driven by many things, saith the Lord. And I have to match that with a drive of my own. There is a cry deep in your spirit for the real thing, says the Spirit of God. For you watch this one and you watch that one and everybody can see everything that they've ever wanted to see in life. But yet you are still hungry, says the Spirit of God. You've heard all the messages. You've heard all of the talk. But you are asking, where is my portion, saith the Lord? Where is my portion? That you have promised to me. Where is my calling? Where is my gift? Where is my anointing? Where is my ability to do what I need to do among those that I see every day? And the Lord says that level of hunger is just enough to get my attention, says the Spirit. Because when I decide to pour out, I pour out, saith the Lord. When I decide to pour out, I pour out, saith the Lord. And the Lord is saying this. The day is coming when the superstar will not be the one that gets all of the attention, saith the Lord. For this next move of God will be the believer going forth in demonstration and power and doing what the superstar could never do, saith the Lord. Going forth in demonstration and by power because of the hunger and the drive that is within you. Keep it real, says the Lord. Keep it real with me. Keep it fresh. Let me know what you desire in your heart of hearts to do. And I'll make sure you get the power to do that, says the Spirit of God. And stay close to me. Stay with me. And you will be able to do all the mighty things, mighty man and woman of valor. You are my Gideons in this day and age, says the Spirit of God. For you are asking the right question. With the right level of hunger. And the answer is before you even today, says the Spirit of God. For you will be fed and you will know and you will receive and you will have imparted that which you desire to give to others, says the Spirit of God. And handle it as a holy thing, saith the Lord. Handle it as a sacred thing. For I pour out my Spirit on all flesh, saith the Lord. All flesh. There is no important flesh and there is no unimportant flesh. I pour out my spirit on all flesh, saith the Lord. And you are all flesh, saith the Lord. 
There are some from high, some from low, not many noble and not many mighty. This is what I want, says the Spirit of God. I want people who love me and have a hunger for me. And I plan to pour out and pour out and pour out that your cup overflows and runs over and runs over. And people will be blessed by your overflow, saith the Lord. They will be blessed by your presence. They will be blessed by your words. And they will be blessed by your touch because my anointings upon you, said the Spirit of God. And you will know that you are anointed. You won't have to guess. You won't have to be convinced. And you won't have to sing songs trying to tell yourself you are. But you will know that you are anointed, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Get serious and keep it real, says the Lord. Get serious and keep it real. Whatever it is, it's standing in your way of giving everything to me. Get rid of it, says the Lord. And see if I won't multiply, increase, and bless, and cause you to forget that which you had to part with for my sake, says the Lord. I'll cause you to forget it, says the Lord. You'll be like Joseph. You'll be a stranger in a strange land, but with so much wealth and prosperity and and things to do for me, you'll forget. I'll cause you to forget your affliction, says the Spirit of God. I'll cause you to forget it. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. And those wounds and those hurts, says the Lord, you're healed as you go. A good soldier is healed as they go. So be a good soldier and endure for me, says the Lord. And the reward will be great. The reward will be vast. The reward of souls that will come to you and say, I'm here because the Lord sent me here. I'm here because there's something about you. I'm here because I know you have the answer for me. That's your reward, says the Lord, and it will come. That day will come, and there will be many days like that ahead of you, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. 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 Amen. 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 He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy. Worthy, worthy, worthy to be praised. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Well, you may be seated in the Lord's presence. Amen. Praise God. situations. So we thank you, Lord, that this situation is one that will work out for the good because we know your mind in the realm of healing. We know that you ordained healing for everyone. You're no respecter of persons. Whatever you've done for one person, you will do for us all. So we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to keep your word to us that we must only simply believe. So we thank you, Lord, that we extend our faith right now to hear your word, to understand it, to receive it, and to obey it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, if you turn to Psalm 119, verse 89, that's where we'll start. And we're going to talk about the word for healing being forever settled. What does that mean, that something is forever settled? Psalm 119, 89 says, forever, forever, forever. 
Whatever God does lasts forever, folks. Whatever he does lasts forever. God created man to live forever. And he, we will live forever somewhere. Amen. <laughs> we just will. Those of us who are saints and know the Lord and, and go forth to share that with other people, we know that we'll live forever in the presence of the Lord. The Bible promises us that. But the Bible also says that if, if you don't and you reject the Lord and turn away, your soul will be condemned forever to hell. And we don't want that for anybody because God doesn't want it for anybody. The Bible says that hell was really not prepared for man. Did you know that man is a trespasser in hell? Because it wasn't prepared for him. The Bible says it was prepared for Satan and his angels. But we go there because we refuse God. And there are people nowadays who are very bold in the way they refuse God. There are people now, I understand that, <clears throat> I think I remember, do y'all remember me reading you from the, that, that, uh, book it, it had, it was, um, uh, had an American flag motif on the cover. And it was a Patriot's handbook. And it talked about when there, a soldier is fallen in duty, when the, the flag is folded, what the folding of the flag means, all those folds and stuff like that. Well, in part of that prayer, there is a call where they call on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. You know somebody don't like that now, then file lawsuit? They can't even say that over the flag anymore after somebody's dead. You see how hateful the devil is? He doesn't respect anybody. And see, people ought to know by now. The lady who's responsible for us not being able to pray in school, somebody murdered her and buried her on her own property and stole all the money from her. So the Lord's already let you get warning of what happens to people who try to remove him. He's God. He ain't going nowhere. He was here first. He'll be here last. He says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end of everything. And it's the fool who said in his heart, there is no God. And so these people can say what they want to say and believe what they want to believe, but they're playing a dangerous game. But see, it makes it a little bit harder for the believer to get up there and be bold sometimes. And see, this is why we got to go deeper in God, folks. We can't have this little superficial, you know, this nonsense and got three scriptures strung together and think we're going to have a worldwide ministry. And don't even know how to pick a husband. I'm going to say that and let that go, all right? I'd rather live by myself, honey, than to let somebody stand between me and what God wants me to do. Are you kidding? (laughs) I know how to pick them, too. I could pick better than that when I was a sinner. Well, just, you know, just talking between us, girl. <laughs> I forget the men is here, you know. Sorry, fellas, you know. Huh? Huh? You know, you... <laughs> Let me get back to my scripture. I was going to talk about... You heard my thoughts, didn't you? <laughs> You know, if it's too pat, you know what I'm saying, everything. Because, see, the devil will mess up anything. If everything is falling to place that beautiful, huh? 
he's going to, he going to, you know, the devil got kicked out of heaven. He'll mess with anything. So none of your plans, especially if you're trying to connect with somebody who's a servant of God, just like you are, you're going to have to do some prayer on that. And you're going to have to do some, some understanding and make some understanding with God that if this is not you, I got too much at stake here for me to just jump up and want to have a husband. Huh? <laughs> it's the truth. So we have to be careful how we conduct ourselves and how we carry ourselves because the enemy is fast trying to take people to hell. He's wanting to take them as fast as he can in any kind of way he can. And he will use any device that he can to do it. So we've got to be sincere about God, saints. We have to really study the word and we have to be careful. Walk softly before the Lord. Not want anything that he hasn't ordained for us. Everything that God has for us is ordered. You know what an order is? I get clothes. Now, I ain't supposed to be getting this many of them. I confess. Before y'all even try to look at me funny. But I order stuff, and when it comes to my house, it's got my name on it. If what you're desiring and ordering from God does not have your name on it, just let somebody else have that. It ain't yours. We have appointments. God said, I have appointed unto you. If you don't have an appointment to marry that person, don't be trying to jump up and get you somebody. You know, you what God has put in you is too precious to throw it away like that. Huh? People get you all whooped up and crazy and acting stupid and Calling them 18 times a day. You can't even sit in church for going checking your cell phone. Now, I don't know how we got here from there. See, I was just going to do what did I want to talk about. I wanted to talk about. Huh? But see, that is the truth. We sit nervous. Wonder, wonder what they thinking, what they doing, what they. You can't even tell somebody, you know, I I prayed about it and I don't think. This is the Lord. Huh? You gotta get a restraining order to get rid of people nowadays. Huh? You gotta get security all over your house. It's expensive getting, just breaking up with somebody. You know, talk about marriage and get, come on y'all. Cost you more money for surveillance and fingerprint kits and going down to court and getting lawyers and all just, just to break up with somebody. So please, y'all, don't get hooked up with nothing like this. Come on. God has way too much for us. You're saving yourself for someone and something special. And that's the best that God has for you. You want his best. You don't want somebody who just walked into church and think they saved. Huh? Especially if you're saved and you're serving God. You want somebody mature enough. You don't want to get somebody in an immature stage in their life either. Because, see, they liable to grow up on you and I'll grow you and want God for real and not your religion and y'all crazy stuff. Huh? It can begin to be trouble down the line, so you've got to be careful. You have to be careful. Just when it looks like you're about to get too old, 
<laughs> it's probably when God will move. Huh? If age is your problem. Huh? It's the truth. You gotta wait for, for a person that has, you gotta understand what it is that you have and what you carry. And you've got to some, find someone who matches what's inside of you. What do you long to do for God? What's your hunger? What's your desire? What's your drive? And if you can put that before God and say, God, match me up on the inside with somebody, then God will send the right person for you. You'll be able to watch that person without wanting to try to get them into bed. Can I say that? Huh? Because you'll appreciate what that person is on the inside and won't want to violate that. Huh? You want to keep things holy and pure so that God can always honor the things that you do. And if you made that mistake, repent and don't do it no more. Huh? Go look at the ceiling all night if you have to and get you some scriptures up there. But keep yourself, you know what I'm saying? This is whatever you got to do, you know. It's, <laughs> it's rougher for some than it is for others, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Trying to get everybody here to relate, you know what I'm saying? But uh, whatever you need to do huh, to keep yourself set apart and pure for God, it's worth it. It's 100% worth it. 100% worth it. So the enemy makes it tough for us, folks. He makes it hard for you. You want to pray for somebody at work. Now you got to worry about getting fired. You used to just have to worry about if it was God telling you to lay your hands on them. Now you got to wonder if you're going to get fired behind it. Is this a setup? Is this somebody, God, what's it going to cost me to obey you in this day and age? And see, we're coming to a time where the body of Christ is going to have to walk in such obedience and such power before God because what the enemy has is so so powerful. It's crazy. The things that are being revealed from the dark side to young people. Huh? You know the Harry Potter business. That's some violent, jacked up stuff they show. You understand what I'm saying? And they show a whole school of kids trying to learn this black magic and stuff. See, the devil's a big liar. He tries to make it like all these kids want to learn about my stuff. Yeah. So where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. You know what God does? God says, I may not have Harry Potter school's numbers, but I can pour out my spirit to the degree that one of mine can outdo all of their evil works and all of their evil power if they just believe me for it. See, you've got to believe that the greater one lives in you. He's much greater than the devil is. The devil couldn't stand in the presence of God. You know, people will say stuff like the devil got kicked out of heaven. No, he fell. I have it on good authority. He fell. That's what happens to wickedness when it gets in the face of holiness. It just can't. It falls. Huh? It does. So the devil's little wicked people can't stand before the presence of a child of God. If you know who you are in Christ, you know your God. You know what he can do. You know what he has done, and we have not seen the half of what he can do yet. 
So the devil makes it hard for us. He tries to keep us nervous about, you know, finances and, and whatever. And, you know, who is this and what's that and all that kind of nonsense. Knowing that your father owns everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he will make a way for his children to get where he needs them to get. Because you're carrying something a lot more precious than silver or gold. You're carrying the power of God. And he'll make sure that anointing gets to where it's supposed to work and where it's supposed to do his job. You just got to stay with God. So God's word, that was my intro. I don't know what that was. It was free. Psalm 119.89 says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. That means it's never not settled in heaven. You know what it means to have something settled? You ever, uh, I know some of these are, you know, some people are more whiplash oriented than other people. <laughs> but if anybody's ever been in one of those little automobile accident whiplash type situations, <laughs> there's whiplash Willie back there. <laughs> when they give you what they call a settlement, What that means, unless there's something written in there, is that means that this closes the discussion about this injury forever. We agree that you were injured. You agree that it was worth this much, and it's settled. So you can't bring it up anymore, unless you with some of them workers' comp things where they let you keep going. And then they ain't going to give you nothing, so... They'll try to, <laughs> try to keep you dangling, begging for it. You know, it's easy. Go, just go get healed. Go get your job. You know, try to wrestle with some of these people. But, but anyway, you know what I'm saying. But, but the thing of it is though, that once it's settled, that's the end of it. The settlement is settled. And the Bible says his word is forever settled in heaven. And what that means is that once heaven makes up its mind about something, it can never be changed. So God has made up his mind about certain things in his word. And these things can never be changed because it's settled. If there was any arguing to be done, it's done already. And it's forever settled. The Bible talks about the council of heaven. And the council of heaven refers, C-O-U-N-S-E-L, refers to the mind and the dealings of the Holy Trinity. And the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost make up the council or the mindset of heaven. And the Father says, what are we going to do when the man disobeys? He didn't say if the man disobeys. Hello. Well, God's a God of foreknowledge. What will we do when the man disobeys? And the son already decided, I'm going to go down for him, and I'm going to retrieve him, and I'm going to bring him back, and I'm going to restore him to everything the enemy's taken from him. So it's settled in heaven. His word was settled before you were born. With your big and bad self. You ain't doing this, you ain't doing that. Right, 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 right. But his word was settled before you were even born. Which means that nothing you can do can unsettle God or change his mind. His mind never changes about what he's ordained for us. So when the Bible talks about forever, O God, thy word is settled in heaven. 
That means that the Trinity doesn't argue about it anymore. God will never change his mind that by his stripes you already are healed. That's already settled. It's settled forever. So there's no such thing as maybe he won't heal me or maybe he won't do it this time. Well, I know I got a little healing the last time, so forth and so on. Maybe, no, it's settled forever in heaven. It doesn't matter about your symptoms. It doesn't matter what they say is wrong with you. It doesn't matter about the diagnosis or what anybody says. His word is forever settled in heaven. So once the three agree in one about what's going to happen, it's going to happen. You can be the partaker of it by doing one thing, and that's believing and not wavering. If you can believe and stand on what you believe and not let the enemy push you off of it, not let him talk you out of it, but whatever it is, you decide that you are going to believe that word is settled and it will settle in on you and it will manifest in your life every single time. So when God says his word is forever settled in heaven, he actually means that. When Satan came down, he came to the earth to tempt the man to disbelieve God. But God already had it written <clears throat> and it was already decided. So all of the issues of life are forever settled. So the answer to whatever you need is already settled in heaven. So the council has made certain decisions about the earth and about everybody down here. No arguments can be raised after a settlement is made. No argument can be raised. That's why the Bible tells us to cast down imaginations or arguments, and everything that it would, would exalt itself or put itself, try to put itself above the knowledge of God. And he tells us to do this for this reason, that the word is already settled in heaven. Remember when the, the devil came to Jesus and tried to tempt him in the garden. And Jesus kept telling him, it is written. Now, he didn't tell him that because he wanted him to go read something. But when he said it is written, that meant it is written because it is settled. It is written because it's already been decided. It is written and it can't be taken back. It's a, it's a kingly decree that cannot be altered. So God's word cannot be altered. It cannot be changed. And when he says something, he means exactly what he says. And he means it for anybody who will believe. He means it for you and he means it for me, no matter what the situation and circumstance. So once God says it's already written, that means his mind is made up. He shared it with the whole word world. He's made a decree and he's made an ordinance about it that it's already settled in heaven. And this is what you've got to do. You've got to make up your mind that it's settled with you too. No matter what happens, no matter what you do, no matter how much you mess up and how much you put God aside and want him to wait on you for this and that. So when it's settled, it's settled. And all you have to do is yield yourself to believing God again. So we have no room for doubt. No room for doubt because it's already settled. His mind is made up. He wants us well. His mind is made up. He wants the devil's influence out of our lives. 
And his mind is made up because his son is already verified and confirmed that that is the will of God for us. And so all we have to do as believers is to believe. You've got to believe that God's word is for everybody. If you're a minister, you can't look at people and try to decide if they're in sin, out of sin, or what's wrong with them before you pray for them. You've got to go along with what God says. It's for everybody. Healing is offered to everybody. Jesus offered healing to every anybody who came up to him in faith. He offered it to the lady that had a girl that was, was uh, full of devils. And she was able to find that the word was forever settled for her as well. So I'll talk about her a little bit later. But I want to tell you a few things about this word settled. The word settled means to establish or sharpen. When something is settled, it is sharpened. That means that there's an edginess to it. To the degree that if you try to disturb it, you will come to a place of unrest about the word of God. If you try to tell God that's not true for this person or that's not true for your, uh, that person, that word will bug you until you have to believe it. That word will never leave you alone because it's so settled, it, it has a sharpness to it. The Bible says that the word of God is alive and it's powerful than any two-edged sword. So it's able to pierce through your doubt, your fear, your unbelief. Well, God, I'd lived a, a rough lifestyle and that's how I got sick. Well, that's pretty much everybody. Because you condemn now if you eat a hamburger. Too many Big Macs will make you feel like, you know, you get the health food police on your case. Huh? Then we got workout people against us. I mean, it's rough out here if you're carrying a few extra pounds. (laughs) Huh? (laughs) You know, they'll want to send you to hell just because your cholesterol is high. So everybody can confess that we haven't been good stewards over the temple, so to speak. Huh? You don't want to be like, who is them two little girls, Mary Kate and, yeah, you, you know, you ain't going there. All right. Y'all just, if you fat, don't go there because that's a big hell right there by itself. But see, the enemy will cause you all kinds of unrest just to get you unsettled enough to where you don't believe you qualify for God to do something for you. See, that's the biggest thing believers have to contend with is do I measure up, do I qualify, and will he do it for me? Huh? And he will, and he will, and he will. But we have to come to that point of believing. And part of helping you to believe is helping you to understand that that word's settled already. There's no more argument about it. There's no more argument about about what God's will is and what his desire is. So it also means to make stand or to station. God's word being settled means it's able to stand. It's able to withstand criticism. It's able to withstand pain, symptoms, torment, surgery, chemo, medication, whatever it is. That word will stand. And if you continue to stand on the word, it will manifest to your healing. The word settle also means to to be in the best state. 
To, this word settle also means to be appointed. So God's word of healing has an appointment with everybody. That word has an appointment with you and it has an appointment for me. Because once that thing is appointed to your life and you know that you believe in it is for you, it will settle in on you and it will manifest what God wants you to manifest. So today we're talking about healing, but it will manifest any other thing that God desires for you to have. To settle means to conclude. If you can imagine God deciding about you already, the three of them sitting down to a table and counseling about it and deciding we want them healed. The meeting is over. Nobody's there in the room to argue with us about it anymore. So once it's concluded, that business of God's is concluded and his mind is made up, he ain't having no meetings about it anymore. So don't go asking him, are you going to heal me? Ain't nobody in the boardroom. That meeting's over. You're talking to the air right now when you ask God something crazy like that. Because it ain't about you. It's about what he decided to do a long time ago before you even came on the scene. With your little bad habits and your little stuff, little stuff you think you're doing that's going to make God back up from you. Huh? He ain't worried about your little stinking stuff you do. Huh? If he was worried about it, he never would have sent his son to die for you. So he ain't worried. That's settled too. So the price is paid already. Huh? But I'm telling you, these crazy discussions we have about, well, when is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? This ain't nobody in the boardroom no more discussing that. The discussion's over. Huh? You're just listening to your own head rattle. And the devil's got you convinced that God's, you know, it, it either goes like this. You're either no good, no good, no good, no good, no good, and God ain't going to heal you. Or you're a super saint, and he's allowing you to suffer with Christ to bring more glory. Just go get the surgery or take the pill if you're going to go there, all right? Because he's not getting more glory from your suffering. My goodness. You know why he gets no glory from our suffering? Because we deserve it. You think about it. We're sinners. So there's no glory if you're getting punished for your own dirty no-nos. Where the glory comes in is when the sinless one came down from heaven, suffered and died and did something he didn't deserve. That's what's glorious. And that's already been done. We ain't stopping nobody's show by going out and trying to outdo Jesus. And so once it's settled, it's the discussion's over. God's not sitting up there listening to us talk this kind of nonsense. All he wants to know is, do you want it or not? You want to talk like that? I ain't listening. Call me when you want it. Huh? Absolutely. Do you want it or don't you want it? When you want it, God will show up. And as long as you're dialing around and trying to, yeah, I just don't know why I'm not healed yet. I do. You don't know that it's already settled. There's no more argument. There's no more discussion. There's no more case by case by case by case by case. Huh? What God is doing is he's looking for opportunities to give us mercy. If he's doing anything, judging anything case by case, he's looking for an open door 
where somebody is extending faith so that he can show us mercy. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But, see, it's, a, it's not the end of the conversation there. There's a gift of God, which is eternal life and mercy that will come in. So what that means to me is this. <clears throat> if you live in a place, I ain't going to name no names, Northern Louisiana, where sin is, is winked at, and actually sin is a part of the culture, and sin is a part of the drawing card to that place. You live in a place that's that brazen about what they tolerate as far as sin is concerned. That's going to bring death to people, folks. But God is looking for an intercessor he can raise up so he can extend mercy. See, that's the gift of God, is when eternal life comes in there, people get saved. You hear testimonies all the time about people cried out to the Lord and, and the water was rising up to the second floor and the third floor and then suddenly it subsided or suddenly somebody showed up and I thought I was surely going to die and God came. See, he's looking for opportunities to give us his settled word and that is his mercy endures forever. His anger is only for a short time, but his mercy endures forever. So he's much more willing to be merciful to us than he is to cause judgment to fall on everybody. But sometimes he can't stop it because people won't stop doing what they do. So it's not that he wants to do these things and he can't be convinced to show mercy. He's greatly merciful, ever merciful, the Bible says. And so that's what he wants to do with all of us. Even if we feel we deserve what we have, he is ever merciful. He is, his word is already settled that if you will repent and return to him, he will abundantly pardon us. Huh? He will abundantly pardon. You know, the, that when people are, are, are accused or convicted of crimes, they go to jail. They, they can get, pay their debt to society, so to speak, but they have a record, criminal record. Well, the Bible says you're abundantly pardoned. What does that mean? That means everything's wiped out. God says your sins and your iniquities, he remembers no more if you confess them and turn away from them. There's no such thing as you can't obey God. You can obey God. And you can live according to expectations and walk in divine health. You can do it. Because his word is already settled. He empowers us to do what we need to do. So to, to settle means to conclude. We said that. So any meeting that God has where he might discuss whether or not he wants his best for you, that meeting's already concluded. He's decided already that he wants you well and he's provided healing. In Exodus chapter 15, you'll turn there and we'll see some examples of how God responded to people who needed to be healed. Now, these children of Israel had just come out of Egypt, and they were in the wilderness trying to get where they were going. And there was bitter water that they ran into, and they began to complain against God. They began to murmur because they had just come out of oppression, just come out of the bondage of the world, And they didn't understand about faith and about God. They just understood how to follow the leader. Don't you know that herd mentality will get you healed too? All you got to do is stay a part of the flock and you can walk in divine health. Huh? (laughs) 
seriously. You just have to be in the place and be believing where God's word is going forth. And there is a protection. There is a, a corporate congregational protection that will come upon a body of believers that will keep everybody well. Now, I've seen this happen. When, when we started this ministry, God gave me a mandate to teach divine health, to make sure that people walked in divine health in this ministry. So we've always had the prayer. Everybody knows the prayer manual. We pray for divine health on a consistent basis. Well, what, don't you know if you confess that word two and three times a week, you will be well and you won't be sick? And so as we did that, we began to walk in divine health. And then I'll hear people that, well, you know, um, well, you remember me? We were part of the ministry. Would you pray for me? I'm sick, you see. So just being a part of the herd. Going along with the group, being obedient to what the leadership tells you will keep you well. You break from the herd and you get with another herd where they may not tell you that you're to walk in divine health and that's a mandate for you. Then you'll start to suffer sickness. Your, your, your faith will suffer and it will diminish. And so when you begin to understand what it means to stay obedient to what God tells you as a, as a uh, way to stay healed and stay in his will, it's a great blessing to you. So in verse 22, Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. They went into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when this talks about wilderness, they ain't talking about trees and forests. It's desert. This is Middle Eastern wilderness. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which had, which, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Now when they talk bitter and sweet, they mean poison and not poison. So they got to this water, it was probably stagnant, and they could tell by the smell of it and the look of it, that it was not worthy to be drunk. Later on in the Bible says, that he will bless your bread and your water and take sickness away from the midst of you. So now as believers, we can actually pray over our food and our water and our drink and have sickness taken away from us and make it purified to drink. And so it says here, he says, he made them, when he made the water sweet, he said there he made them a statue and an ordinance and he proved them and said, if you will diligently listen to me and do what's right in my sight, Give ear to my commands and keep all of my rules. He said, I'll put none of the diseases upon you. None of them. None. Not a one. That he brought upon the Egyptians. See, sinners, because they break the rules, they get sick. Us, we get healed. That's all he offers us is healing. He does not offer us sickness. Okay. See, sin has sickness. Now, this this scripture, the stipulation is if you diligently and do what's right. Well, Barb, does that mean I can never mess up? What do you think? Now, you know yourself. 
Now, would God be so crazy as to write something like that about you or about me? Well, what do we do when we're diligent about serving God and we stumble? Uh, anybody? It's not, it's not a trick question. He says, if you confess your sins, he's all he wants you to do is own up to it. Hmm? Well, I don't think I should have to confess all the time. Yeah, we talking about all the time. We talking about when you mess up. If you mess up all the time, then you gotta confess all the time. You just told on yourself. Huh? See, people will read Old Testament and think you can never make mistakes. You can never sin. This is why we get so condemned sometimes. Sin does not take you out of the ball game. If it did, we'd have a mighty dull game down here because we'd all have timeouts. But he says that he, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Righteousness is what purchases you everything you need. And I could say that because it's not your righteousness. It's a, it's blood bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. So it's his righteousness and it is the purchase price for your salvation and everything else you need. So what you need to do is plead the blood. Uh, yes, your honor, sir. I got cookie crumbs on my mouth. I did eat. And two chicken wings too. Tying one on again. It's a little nervous. Uh-huh. I confess that is my fingerprints on, you know, and he's faithful and he's just to forgive you and cleanse you. If you were just forgiven, you could walk around with no access to anything. But if he cleanses you and it forgives you and cleanses you, then your righteousness gives you access back into his throne room and his presence and everything that you need. It's access that's important, huh? So he says, if you diligently hearken, diligently. See, a lot of times people want a, a miracle on casual attention. Hmm? That's not diligence. Diligence means that you follow after it like a student. Now, don't give me y'all dropped out of there. Why Johnny can't read? I don't care how much y'all was LD. Ain't no LDs in the kingdom. Ain't no alphabet soup in here. You can receive everything that God has for you. You follow it like a student that could read. Let me put it to you that way. Huh? If you could read good, this is what you'd do. And so you go after the things of God. Keep pursuing. What he's saying, diligence doesn't let anything stand in its way. Don't let the fact that you make mistakes stand in your way. Don't let the fact that you think you're not as, as, as righteous as everybody else or not up there. Like, Don't let that stand in your way. Just keep going for God. Diligence keeps pursuing the things of God. So he says there, if you diligently hearken to the voice of his, to his voice, just be sure when God's word goes forth, you're in that place and you're paying attention. Hmm? That's what you do. Proverbs 4, verse 20 says, my son, attend to my words. When God keeps using the word my, you pay attention. 
He says, incline thy ear to my sayings. Not to doctors. Not anybody else. He says, you listen to me. He says, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes and keep them in the middle of your heart. So in other words, he's telling you, you're going to have a little work to do in order to do this. But if you will hold on to my word and find my word, he says it's like to those that find it. Find it where? In the middle of your heart. If the doctors tell you they found this and this and this and this, what you conclude you have depends on what's in the midst of your heart. What's really in your heart? That's what you really, really believe. And you can get the word of God in your heart to such a degree that no matter what they find, you know that you're healed. And you'll begin to confess that you're healed. And you begin to think to yourself, well, I think I'll just get up and be healed. I think I'll just get up and act healed. Because by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. And when that thing comes to try and worry you and knock on the door again, you keep telling it, you are healed. You just are healed. Sometimes, you know, everybody gets a little lazy about their confession. You know, you have little ache, little pain, and little this, and little that. And and them little start adding up to, (laughs) it's hard to move. Some of this sometimes. Hey, you don't just jump up out them chairs. <laughs> you used to. I find myself having to push myself up a little bit. Huh? But I'm telling you, I'm healed anyway. See? Deep within me, I don't really believe that I'm sick or I believe. You know, people always say, well, you know, that must be. Nah, it's healing. It ain't must be nothing. Yeah. Or, you know, sometimes we're bad about this stuff. We encourage people to step out of faith sometimes. Man, you can't sneeze around people. What you got? So you want to put a name on it already so they can help you call it into your life. Huh? I said, I got stripes. What you got, stripes? My stripes. I got a good case of the stripes. Huh? Huh? Because I'm healed. Don't let yourself, uh, you know, and, and we sometimes we want a little bit of attention because we feel like, well, I've just been sneezing. Huh? And get that rough toilet paper, rub your nose on it so it can be red. Y'all get y'all some puffs. Straighten up and look right. Come in there. Just work that little rough toilet paper until it get red on the end. <laughs> There's always the one with the pity that's gonna help you out. Ooh, what's the matter? You, are you, have you got, are you coming down with the stripes? I'm sorry, I thought I was out of my mind for a minute. I was feeling sorry for myself. <laughs> the stripes, I got stripes, huh? Because I know at some point the biggie wants to descend on anybody who knows God. See, the devil wants to get you to where you, you know, and if he can get you with something that takes a long time to get rid of, you know, seven warning signals. A cancer. Huh? And you said, man, I used to memorize that list because I wanted to know what it was. But then I started reading my word and I forgot what's on the list. Uh, maybe I need to go get, no, I think I'm going to go get my Bible. See, it's just that simple. 
you make a decision to go with what's in the midst of your heart. What's in your heart? What do you really believe? Do you really believe that after sitting under the word for all these years that you are still subject to sickness? Or do you believe that by his stripes you were healed? The Copeland said it like this. They said for years, they said we found out what our problem was. They said we were working this word backwards. Don't you thank God for honest ministers? That don't try to act like they know everything all the time. That can help you to learn and identify with your weaknesses. And they said, we used to think that we were sick and we were trying to figure out how to get God to heal us. They said, then we started really listening to the people that were teaching us faith. And we found out that we are healed and the devil has put symptoms on us illegally. And they said, what we decided we would do was to tell the devil to take the symptoms off. She said, and from that day forward, we never had any problem getting well or getting a healing for us, our children, grandchildren, anybody. Because they made a decision. They began to hide the word in the middle of their heart. And they decided that what they believed in their heart, that they really were healed. They decided to believe it was forever settled. It's forever settled that you are healed. All of humanity is healed if they will come to the Lord in faith. Healing is the one thing that God will give to sinners as well as believers. The Bible says in 1 John 1, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things, I'm sorry, 3 John 1. I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So see the forever settled word is coming again. Jesus says, I wish above all things, because it's forever settled, that by my stripes you were healed. Exodus 23, 25, and 26. I will bless your bread and your water and take sickness away from the midst of you. I can remember many years ago when I was first in the things of God, and God had healed me of a nervous breakdown. And I was one of those Women that, you know, I, I worked in the hospital. I was already a nurse. And medical people are always paranoid about their health. You know, we got everything because we read everything. And so I had to lose what I call my nurse devil. You know, just believing everything in the natural and looking for stuff all the time. And I hadn't, hadn't really shaken the bladder infection that women get periodically. And I decided that I was just going to stand on the word. And God told me, to drink bread and water until it left. So I went on a bread and water fast. And by the end of the day, it didn't take a day. I mean, at the end of the day, it was all gone. So I know that he will bless your bread and your water and will take sickness away from the midst of you. Now, how many of you know a bladder infection ain't nothing to play around with? And it's like, nah! You know, and I'm thinking to myself, God, can I do this? Can I do this? But he took the pain away. And after, by the end of the day, all those symptoms were totally gone. Trusting him, blessing your bread and your water. And every time I took it, I blessed it. God, I thank you for my bread and water and I'm taking sickness away from the midst of me. And by the end of the day, that infection was totally gone. Faster than any, any antibiotic you could ever take. Praise God. 
Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded already. You don't have to suffer. He took it already. He was wounded for our what? Transgressions. If you're sick because you lived a bad lifestyle or you abused your health or your life or something like that, he has already been beaten and taken the punishment for that. So you being punished further with sickness is, is no, no, you know, it's nothing God desires. He's already got the perfect sacrifice for everybody's healing. Psalm 105.37, there was not one feeble person among their tribe. This goes along with Third John 1. That he says he brought them out of Egypt with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among them. Donald Trump would like to have the assurance that he could have silver and gold and be healthy for the rest of his life. Rich people want that, but they know they're not going to keep their health all the time. We're the only ones who have that settled already. God's made up his mind about it. He's not going to change it. He wants you healthy and wealthy. Huh? Sickness away from the midst of you, prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That scripture is definitely talking about financial and material prosperity. Because if he says prosper and be in health, health, prosperity, and health. So that means wealth and health as your soul prospers. As you diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God. As you diligently meditate on the word and hide it in your heart. Then you'll begin to speak forth his prosperity and his healing for yourself in every situation. Nahum 1.9, he says he will make an utter end. He will end it utterly. That word settled means utter end. So it's forever settled that he is forever settled that affliction shall not rise up a second time. Only God can give you that guarantee. Because, you know, how many people know that when you have cancer, they say, well, you got to go five years without another recurrence, and then we pronounce you healed. They don't even assure you that anymore. That was back in the day. Because now they found the devil and got so slick, he'll let them think it's gone. I remember seeing a uh, um, <clears throat> one of these medical programs on television, and there was a woman there. Um, she was, um, I think she was a psychiatrist. And she was upset because she said that she had had, um, I think, breast cancer. Four years, 11 months, and like she had like two weeks to go to be pronounced cured. She said, I thought I was through it. She said, but they found something in my brain now. You see how dirty the devil is? Have you sitting up there counting the years down and watching everything, and you get just to the wire? How dirty is that? And then he put that back on her again because she's got no faith, perhaps no protection against it, you know, and she's just fearing it all the time. And then he puts upon you what you fear. And so that's why God's word's already settled. He said, I don't have to debate about this. He said, the only person debating about how bad they want to treat you is the devil. He said, I've already settled it. I want you well. I want you healed, and I don't, there's no two ways about it. I want you 100% whole. And so when God says he will make an utter end, that means cancer, I don't care what the devil say, it's not coming back to you a second time when God takes care of it. 
you can rejoice and say it's gone because it is gone by the power of Jesus' stripes. It will not come back a second time. 1 Peter 2, 4 says that he bore who his own self bar sins in his body on that tree, that we being dead to sin. But Barb, I still sin sometimes. You're dead to it. You don't like it no more. Huh? It whoops you up something terrible. You're dead to it. Huh? If you weren't dead to it, you'd like it. Now let me think. You don't like it, all right? Don't think about it. Everybody want to argue and you give something back. You don't like it. Well, you know why? Because the Holy Ghost don't like it. And you like him. Huh? I see you worshiping in here. Well, you don't like sin. You're dead to sin. It's not. When he says dead to sin, it means that it's not your pleasure and your delight anymore. It's not what you get your thrill from anymore. You're dead to it. Huh? And alive unto righteousness. You know what you like now? You like passing out tracts. You like witnessing to people. Huh? You don't tell nobody you witness, but I know you do. Huh? You don't think you're all that spiritual and, well, I don't know, I just can't do it like Pastor Shirley does and Pastor Byron does. You do it like you do, but you like witnessing to people. Huh? And when ain't nobody looking, you do think about laying your hands on them and praying for them when they say, huh? Because you're alive unto righteousness. You are dead to sin and alive unto righteousness. I do a whole lot less sinning now than I ever have in my life. And it just ain't cause of my age, neither, which I ain't telling (laughs) y'all. Keep guessing. (laughs) Huh? And I'll be denying it. Huh? Don't get no birth certificates out on me. Y'all don't know me like that. Hmm? Jeremiah 30, 17 says, I will restore health unto you and heal you of your wounds. Gloria Copeland said that whenever she uh, shares that scripture in her meetings, she said men who have come up and, and had huge scars from war, Vietnam, whatever, gang people, will come up and the the scar's totally gone because he will heal us of all our wounds, even down to the scar. So God is serious about what he's doing for us and he wants us well and it is forever settled. There is no more discussion about it. There's a woman in Matthew 15 that found this out, how settled the word was. It's a Syrophoenician woman. This woman was an outsider. She was not <clears throat> of the house of Israel. Now, before the world was made, Jesus had already made up his mind to heal this woman's daughter. His mind was made up. The problem was that she was not convinced that his mind was made up. And oftentimes, this is a problem with us when we go before the Lord with needs that we have or things that we, we need we, we just are not sure. There's an uncertainty and an unbelief. Now, this woman must have had some degree of faith to even come to a Jesus meeting. That's why a lot of times all you have to do, the, the biggest warfare you'll have to wage is to get to the meeting. 
sometimes to get in your car to get there. You know what I'm saying? That's as long as you get that much through, you pretty much won the war. Because your faith is great enough from then on to take you from the place of warfare over into the place of total victory. So there is not a person that sits in a healing meeting that doesn't have some level of faith to get some of their healing, if not all of it. And I believe most people have the faith to get it all just by showing up. Just the fact that you believed enough to get to a Jesus meeting will get you there. Now, what Jesus would do when he couldn't do a lot of miracles, he would preach and teach like we're doing now. So if there is a little bit of unbelief left over, it's cleared up in the preaching and the teaching. Why? Because the word's forever settled. We're getting the settled word into you so there's no more unsettling in you about it. This is what we're doing. We're trying to get you settled in to the settled already word. And so when Jesus would meet people like this, he would do everything in his power to get their faith to agree with what he's already decided he wants to do. And that's all he's doing with this lady. So this lady comes up to him in Matthew 15. Is that what I said? Start in verse 21. Jesus went and departed to the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Now, what's really in this lady's heart is trying to get the question to under, get the question answered is, will God help me? Does he care about me? So instead of her asking in faith and getting him to understand that it really is for her daughter, she's trying to see if somehow he can take a liking to her or favor her. She draws attention to herself. The other thing is that she is asking in a wrong spirit because she's not asking for this girl. Remember the the centurion that had the servant that was sick? He said, my servant is grievously tormented. Come and heal him. He didn't put himself in it at all. When he did put himself in it, he said, you know what? uh, I'll do a lot of stuff in my house. You shouldn't be coming over there. Just talk to me and say, can he be healed? He took himself totally out of the picture. This lady makes the mistake of putting herself more in the picture than she needs to. So what her problem is, she does not feel worthy that God will do this not only for her daughter, but for her as well. She considers herself to be a part of the problem is why the daughter is not healed. You ever need something so bad from God and you can't kind of get it settled and straight and you think it's maybe it's me or maybe I did this wrong or maybe I did that wrong or I said a wrong word here. I did. (laughs) See, this is what happens to all of us when we go before God and it's just you and him and you got a deal. You want to find out where the problems are and where the issues are. And that's what Jesus has to work with her on and get her problems and her issues out of the way. So when she went, when we want help for ourselves and we have problems, this is an argument against our faith. It becomes a selfish thing. 
And this is nothing, there's nothing settled in us where the word is concerned. We're very unsettled about the word. So she's going to Jesus just kind of trying to feel him out. Do I measure up? Don't I measure up? Have mercy on me. My daughter's sick. I need this. I need that. I don't know what the problem is. It's a confused request. And so Jesus ignores her because there's not enough faith on the request to even get his attention. But something in this lady rises up. Verse 23, he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, for she cries after us. So this lady gets pushed aside and then follows Jesus again. Now, there is something going on in her that even though she feels she doesn't measure up, and he didn't say anything. I mentioned my daughter. She didn't move. That didn't move. I mentioned me. That didn't move him. She's pursuing him because she wants to find out what's going to move him. See, deep within all of us, no matter what we think we've done that we don't deserve God's best, or maybe we've been stuck in a rut this way for so long we don't think we can move, there's something deep inside of us that really wants God to help us, and that's faith. See, faith can be nothing more than a desire to see the word of God manifest. That's how it starts out. It starts out by wanting something from God. She had that much faith inside her because where many people might have been offended and walked away, well, you know, they don't like purple people here at this meeting. or They don't like, you know, green people, black people, blue people. They just go somewhere else. When he told her, when he just didn't say anything and walked away from her, she decided to follow him anywhere, anyway. And that was enough faith for him to take her to the next place. Now understand, Jesus operates in the spirit without measure, the Bible. He does not just have a measure of the spirit. Like we, you and I have a word of knowledge like in us. He flowed in it all the time. And so he was able to draw and understand everything about everybody who came to him. And he begins to tell the disciples this. He says, tell her, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So there again, he's telling her what? No. But the word, the Bible says, is already settled. It's forever settled in heaven. Now, why is he telling her he's only sent to the lost sheep of Israel? Well, it was true. He was sent to the Jew first, the Bible says, and then to the Greek. But there was a lot of people that weren't Jews that got what Jesus had. Why? Because his being sent to the Jew first was to fulfill the law. Where people get healed is by grace, through faith which is forever settled before the foundation of the world and before the law came into being, there was a faith for God to move on behalf of humanity to relieve human suffering. So grace, which came before the law, supersedes the law every time. So this lady, no doubt, is thinking to herself the very things that Jesus is saying to her. All he does is makes her get honest. What he's saying is you really don't think I'm going to heal you because you're a Canaanite. 
you think I'm prejudiced because I was sent to these people first. And she picks up on the fact that if she doesn't stop this man again, he's going to walk away and she'll be no better off than she was before. And then she taps into the council of heaven. There is a place where all of your fears and all of your doubts and all of your arguments will be cast aside and you lock into the council of heaven. And it dawns on you once and for all that thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. And you've sent this man to heal people and if he heals anybody, he's going to heal me. Because in honesty, she's thinking to herself all the time, who do these Jews think they are thinking they better than I am? If God loves them, he loves me. I'm no different. They're no better than I am. They eat like I do. They drink like I do. They cuss like I do. They skip church like I do. They're no better than I am. So some kind of indignance rose up inside of her. And he said this to her. She says, then she came and worshiped him and begged him again. She said, Lord, help me. Here's this little nugget of faith that she started out with, you know, just feeling him out, feeling him out with, you know, it's like people do when they come to healing school. They, they're feeling it out. You know, I don't know what these people, they, they probably know what they talking about. What kind of Bible she using? King James, look all right. You know, it's feel, yeah, feel, yeah. Get a little closer, get more into the word. And then pretty soon they're believing and get healed. And she said, just Lord, help me. And he said this to her. He says, it's not proper to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And that's what she felt when she first came up there, but she never had the guts to tell him. Jesus, is it true that you Jews think of us as dogs? And does that mean that you would let my child suffer and die and not take care of her? Are you really that heartless of God? See, if she would come to him and get that question cleared up, we could have avoided all of this business here. But see, Jesus in his mercy and his love will do what he needs to do to remove all the obstacles out of your way. And he said, deep within this woman, she must feel that she's worthy. She's just letting the devil tell her she's not. Or she never would have showed up at my meeting. If she didn't think I would bless her with health, she never would have walked in this door. He said, now what can I do, Holy Spirit, to help her to release her faith so that I can give her what she needs? And when he called her a dog, she that, she, that sister rose up and got very indignant with him. She said, listen, I'm going to tell you something. I got a dog at my house. And no, I don't let him get up to the table. And no, he don't eat with a knife and a fork. But you know something? He can get the crumbs. And I know what I'll do for my dog. You, God in heaven, has got to do for somebody who doesn't measure up. So even if you think you don't measure up, it's forever settled. That if you will stand on the word of God and you will let God minister to you, I don't care if you don't think you deserve to be healed. It's forever settled anyway. And if you will dare let God do what he says he wants to do for you, then you can have whatever you need. I'm telling you, God's bigger than everybody's doubt. He's bigger than everybody's questions. Everybody's, he will help your unbelief. I don't care what it is. I don't care where it comes from. 
So you're condemned about stuff that you've done. He's bigger. If your heart condemns you, the Bible says he is bigger than your heart. It's already been decided. His mind is not going to change on this. He wants everybody healed. You don't have to be in the center of the knowledge of God. You can just be looking for crumbs. Just be around the edge lapping up crumbs and you'll get healed. He wants to see your faith. He wants to know that you believe it's forever settled. Why don't you stand to your feet? I'm done. We'll start some music. want to move the podium back. If you know that you're sick in your body and God wants you well, you come on up because he does want you well. And he wants to bless you with divine health and healing. He wants your body to come out of its state of not being functional. If you have issues in your health and you know that God sent you here, it's forever settled. I mean, there's no doubt about it. There's no more discussion about it. God doesn't want to hear anymore about, I don't think so, and I don't believe, and what's it going to take? It's going to take you believing and not doubting and not wavering. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, it's so settled, it's it's not worth discussing, arguing anymore. Praise the Lord. Why don't you move her a little bit over this way? We got some tubs over there. That's good. Yeah. Praise God. Just need to get some oil and I'll be all right. Thank you, Jesus. God doesn't want to hear any more discussion about whether or not he wants you well. He's made up his mind so long ago. Whether or not you get healed doesn't depend on you. It depends on you believing him. Thank you, Jesus. 